This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Jim Norman, uh, this is my sidekick Dakota. Uh, we met at the Brunch Bear uh, thing not too long ago. I have the Sit With Me app, um, helping servers and bartenders connect with their best customers. I remember. Good to see you. Hey, Gary. Hey, brother. Good to see you again. You too. Uh, Spanking founder of a company called Ad Zombies. We're an ad scale copywriting service. We write words to sell everything for about 40,000 clients globally. That's awesome. Hey, Gary. Uh, Tom Leonard. I uh, run a company called Xpeed Interaction Marketing. We are a 500 seat uh, employee call center outsourcer located here in the States and I do VA. That's awesome. How'd you get that? Uh, started as a startup. I mean, the hoodie. Oh. Just paid uh, fourteen hundred bucks on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't think your fingers were that fast. No, no, my, my wife is still not happy uh, about it. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Jason Bordnoy, um, I run an agency called J Board Media. I launched a coaching program and I have a podcast called Perfectly Good. It's awesome. Dave Carroll, uh, Dope Marketing. We are major right now. Major right now. Sir. Awesome. Pleasure. Michael Munster and Munster Automotive Group. Good my to wife, see you. Joy. Hi, Joy. Good to see you. Hey Gary, how's it going? Well. Gift Goat. Yes. Just a few minutes ago. I'll yes. I can't wait to check it out. Did you see what it was? It's Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very cool. Thank you for that. Uh, Thank so you. So we talked before. Yep. Uh, I got a good, I got great context. Yeah, and I've got Dakota here now this time. Who's Male model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm walking around the streets of New York with Tarzan. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, he does all of our content. Okay. We're only five months in. Yeah. A lot of what we did was just like, is this a good idea? Will it work? Yeah. Um, do do servers, it's kind of a big shift, are servers and bartenders willing to start instead of saying, remember when I worked, or hey, do you want my cell phone number? And text yep, I remember. I remember everything about our talk. Um, so my question kind of becomes is, what should I do next steps as far as growing the business and not wanting to develop the rest of the features that are in my head? I think you have to have more critical scale on the core feature. The biggest mistake people make is try to add features when they're this young. Mm-hmm. So keep with the MVP. There's, you know, there's a handful of bugs and little things. Yeah, you, you gotta fix it. Yeah, you gotta, to first. that point, right? Like, first get all the bugs out mm-hmm. and get critical scale on the core feature. You know. People get very feature, like fancy, before they've got the thing going, right? Like to me, you've got to have 25,000 servers on the platform active. I'm talking once a month have engaged with the app before you even like think about the next thing. I've seen so many people misstep in app land by adding, thinking that adding things, like adding things makes things worse. Simplicity is always the champion. And people don't get traction on whatever they have or they're impatient or they haven't given it enough time. They start putting all their energy on adding features when what 100% of what you should be doing is getting people on the platform. I know you've been doing those. What I would also do is I would go to search on Instagram, search bartender, bartending, all that. Literally follow every single bartender in the country and once they follow you back, DM them and start trying to build a Your business is in full hand-to-hand combat. How do you like the idea of, and it's kind of a little question, but going to management that whole sales and say, hey, would you like to have 37 salespeople helping fill the restaurant during lunch? We talked about that. If If you stay the course of what we talked about the other day of like trying not to convince them, the difference between me and my dad when I told you, too many restaurateurs 
are going to think that you're going to lead to them losing people. But 25% will see the value. So the answer is 100%. It's how you scale. If you go to 100 restaurants and knock on doors and get 25 to say yes, that's 25 times three to 35 servers. I just think you're gonna need to fight on two fronts. Direct to bartenders, direct to servers, right? Obviously we talked about the expansion of, you know, it's obviously sit with me, but like, sit with me also I think works for hairdressers and barbers, right? So I think you have to fall on two fronts. The B2B, the B2B2C and the B2C. The B2C is going to the individuals who do it and the B2B2C is going to the establishments who then will sell to their people. I just know small businesses well. I just think a lot of them are gonna be scared. Sure. That, right? That's what I see with right? You see it already, right? Yeah. It's just. You gotta ask three people above them to give any kind of commitment. Yeah, and, and just like the, even if you get directly to the owner in a small business, like, hey, can, do you want your servers to use this app? Like, a lot of them are just gonna go down the path of like, fuck, Karen's my best. She's gonna get a clientele and she's gonna leverage that against me. So I just think you have to be really prepared for that. I think you you have to. You just have to succumb to like, it's gonna be two out of 10, and that's okay, because two out of 10 is good, because I would probably start with places that are bigger, because if you're gonna go two for 10, you'd rather go two for 10 that have 30 servers each, than two for 10 that have two servers, right? Mm -hmm. So I would think about scale as well. I've got one that I think you'll you'll like, and I'm trying to figure out the right way to do it. Um, I've created with a with a good friend of mine who's an amazing muralist uh, around Louisville mainly, but he's got probably 70 murals around the country. Super talented. Hates social media. Has never put his stuff out there. Um, he's a college friend, old roommate of mine, and so we've created an NFT project. I actually, I'll let you. I drew one first. I'm a terrible artist uh, myself, but drew something. How would you integrate? an NFT project to help build this community. And I'm all for educating. I've been, you know, since you started talking about it, did my 80 hours of homework and paid a lot of attention. No expert, but as much as people can know, I feel like I know it. So how would you integrate that into maybe getting the server community involved in? Yeah, I would probably start a Discord for this community. I would probably run ads specifically towards people in the service industry and say, do you want to learn about NFTs? I'm no expert, but I'm pretty far along. I think the thing that most people struggle with when they're running a business is separating the giving from the thing that they're hoping happening when you give. I think the reason I wrote Jab, 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 Right Hook and the reason I have to, like I'm actually thinking about getting back into that content. I think people go much closer to manipulation than value with karma when they do this. I think the thing that separates me is when I do content, I'm in content mode. I just don't, I don't even like, from day one, Wine Library TV episode one, I thought I was, I, I, I haven't told this story in a long time, I thought I was doing QVC in the week that Wine Library TV was building in my head. I'm like, I'm gonna do QVC on YouTube, this thing, YouTube's gonna be big. The second the camera went on, I did, I did a totally different show, I did Martha's, you know, Stewart. I just like, I, something about the camera made me say, fuck, I don't feel comfortable selling on this show. Cause it's gonna be a show that really is an infomercial if I do it this way. Fuck it, let me just be Wine Spectator and Robert Parker. I'm just gonna review this fucking wine, which was radical as shit. I mean, we're fucking selling this stuff downstairs. And I'm in my office saying, this is garbage wine. And like, the sale, like literally, I, like the first six months, 
the company really genuinely actually thought I'd lost my mind. You have to remember, 06 at a different time, the internet, like none of this existed yet. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing a show. That's, I remember that was my answer. I wasn't really even sure how I answered it. Now I just recall, like, doing a show. And on that show, it's gotta be the show. And what I learned through that process was, by doing that, you actually gain relationships. And with relationships, you then have opportunities if you choose to create events. And so I think, I think for a lot of you, which is obviously I'm take, why I always want the context overall up front, like doing, doing content that is not a lead gen to conversion is an incredibly foreign mindset to most people. And I think it's exactly where all the action is. Give, 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 and then ask instead of have some sort of concoction that is fake give with the hope of taking. Those are two very different frameworks. I think that's what's worked for me and the things that I've observed have worked for others. Make sense? So just provide value to this community. Maybe from a, how do you grow your brand? How do you play with NFTs? How do you grow your career? How like, you know, just drop some uncle shit on them. Yeah. Build, 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 build. And then just by, I mean, I think the right hook sits in your bio. I mean, there was years there where I really, besides a book, had nothing. Um, and, you know, it was just, it's in the bio. I mean, I don't, I think I leave a lot of sales on the table for our businesses at VaynerX, for, I mean, even vFriends. I mean, if you really analyze my social content, I'm not looking to sell a lot in comparison to how much I believe in it and how well I think that would go. I just, it's just not the framework and I think that's where people are struggling with social content. They make content with always the intent of it being an ad, which is the thing that nobody wants to watch. One thing I've noticed in this group, you know, I'm, uh, we've got car sales, we've got print ads, um, you know, and, and I've got tipping. There's some pretty, like, things, there's things in there that people just can't stand. They, they, they have a bad outlook yeah. on car sales people. Yep. Tipping has well. been amazing. We <laughs> <laughs> use car salesmen, right? We've, heard, we've talked about that before. Like, there's people that get fired up in my comments about you shouldn't tip, you know, it's, the, it's not my job to pay, which is bananas, right? I mean, that, that's noise. Right. People, you know, people don't like paper, people don't like marketing, people don't like NFTs. How would you recommend leaning into I using wouldn't. that as, you I, know? I, I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would recommend, first of all, you only have so much time and energy. So I'm sure there's something very clever and do I think you can make a video that gets four million views on TikTok on making an inside joke around tipping culture? I do. Do I think that's the best use of your time? I don't. I think what I would do if I was, your, if I was the third person on this team, I would say three times a week for nine to 11 hours a day, we DM every bartender on earth. I think the thing that people lose early on is how much dirt work it really is. People are usually trying to get to 201 and 301. You have a clear path. Bartenders at scale live on Instagram. DM them all, all of them, every one of them. You know what I mean? Same for you guys. You literally, I can literally right now go to, where are your two locations? The exact city. We're in Coleraine right outside of Beautiful, I can literally type that in right now 
in location on Instagram and see every person that posts in that exact zip code and could leave a comment and say, that's cute, that's cool, that was funny, that's outrageous, that's amazing. You just become part of the community. You could do that four hours a day on a location. And it's depth. You just become part of the community. Your logo is showing up in every fucking comment on every single post in your city. And if you don't fully mail it in of just saying cute, cute, if you actually look at it and try to, or if like, you know, what's great, I mean, I know this because this is what I was doing for Wine Library. You know some of these people. You know, like, you leave something like, what you think of the coleslaw yesterday? They'll just think that's crazy. You give a shit, you know? Remove it. Yep. Spanky, you do you want people who don't tip on your app? <clears throat> what if you just said like, here's a tip. If you don't tip, this isn't for you. Oh, we did. Yeah. Like that type of. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on. Spanky. All right. Let's introduce your son too. It's interesting where he came all the way from Arizona, got out of college for a few days, and wanted to see Gary V. So. Yeah, so it's awesome. <laughs> second oldest son, Mason. Mason, it's good to see you, brother. Um, good kid. <laughs> two of my five are good. Um, That's a solid percentage. Almost all of uh, so, so right before COVID, I had started kind of creating some division between my personal brand and the business, just to kind of create a little. Yeah, I, remember, I think I ran into somewhere, right? You brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Nick Dio and I had a yeah. conversation about it, so I created some separation. Then COVID hit, and I was sick for about six months. I you was, were. Yeah. Fuck. I so I was dark. I wasn't online. Of course. I, I kind of went invisible. Same time, iOS 14 happens. All right. the GDRP regulations happen. Yep. And if you looked at the top of, oh, and then right after I healed, recovered from COVID, I had put off having a rotator cuff repair, rotator cuff labor, bicep tendon the whole. So this all got done. So 2020 was a completely lost year. Mm -hmm. Our top of funnel collapsed completely. Mm -hmm. Like we went from six, yeah, 6,000 a day in new business to 6,000 a month. Yeah. Now we still have great retention on our on our. Yeah, but your clients. but your CAC model broke. Right, it broke, and I'm trying to figure out how to repair it. And I don't want to get desperate and start trolling for sales. But I, I I'm I am trying. I have been and Dave and I know each other and Jason and I know each other. I'm trying to figure out for months how to fucking fix it. Well, you know, was it was it super retargeting, like super hardcore DR? We yeah, we were we were able to take that top of funnel and like because ninety seven percent of our first touch comes through this. Yeah. But all of our transactions come through this. Yeah. And so we lost the ability to to, to retarget them. Yep. And and that in Europe simultaneously it was like the perfect shitstorm. Yep. Well, look, I mean, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about inside of Vayner and kind of like in general is shit's always gonna change. And obviously the timing of those things changing with you having to be kind of at a commission is a compounding effect. When the jockey is on the sidelines and the race changes, shit's gonna get hairy. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think much like where you were when we first crossed paths, you have to reinvent a wheel that works. The problem for a lot of marketers is the last era was very technical and math. This next era is gonna be much more art and branding. I love it because I like that more. I don't like it because I know a lot of people are gonna not do as well because it's harder. I'm empathetic to that. But you know, I think, I think the first thing you've gotta get 
uncomfortably serious about is TikTok. You're gonna have to figure it out. Whether it's you the human or some other human variable or a character, you is a great play. I, I would highly recommend for all of you to debate the concept of the mascot. So I believe this next decade of interest graph social media is going to create an opportunity for a lot of people to lean into the mascot, similar to 1950s to 70s television. So we all kind of got a sense of the personal brand. You're living it, I'm living it, people are living it in this room. I'm pretty hot on the scalability of mascots. So if you think about MetLife paying you know, peanuts a fortune to borrow Snoopy or what you see from the Geico lizard on a commoditized business like insurance, I, I'm very hot on that. And one who is good at building a personal brand can also be good, in my opinion, at being the Jim Henson to the Muppet. Something worth debating. I know it's a left field thing, but no different than us all. When I first was doing this, it was crazy. Like a person following you around, everyone thought it was asinine. It was fucking, I mean, the judgment I had inside my own company. Who the fuck do you think you are? And I was empathetic, I understood, but I knew it was gonna happen. So people started having jobs where they were filming people, like things changed, right? I think the same thing's about to happen with animation, claymation, puppeteering, and I think, you know, with AR and NFTs, uh, you know, I think some of the people here should really debate creating a mascot and scaling the mascot. And I think a mascot on TikTok scales. Okay, so so let's, let's talk personal brand versus the zombie brand, right? And the cool thing is, you can just do both. Okay. So like the so, zombie brand should have a zombie. Okay. Like that's easy. Right. Like that's not even hard. Like clearly you need a zombie. <laughs> like most companies are like, what am I gonna do? You're like, I don't know, like a zombie? You know, so. And we've got some cool artwork. But I think, I think you really need to take a step back and be like, fuck it, we'll never be, you know, I don't know how, when you thought about building personal brand, how you thought about like where that was gonna end up. But like, it's not like you have to, it's not like you have to create fucking Ronald McDonald. If you just create a zombie that is effective to get your CAC and LTV up in the next 24 months, you'll be just fine. And unlike retargeting an iOS 15, we still know who the fuck the Trix Rabbit is. We still know who Captain Crunch is. You still know who Scooby-Doo is. People underestimate the value of brand. The reason I've always been more brand than digital sales is digital sales changes. You're living it right now. I had email open rates of 93%. You know, like shit changes. I was buying the word wine on Google for five cents. That just, that doesn't work anymore, right? So I'm always gonna push brand and I'm very bullish about this mascot thing, very. I think every small business on earth should have a mascot. So I started. Including B2B. And then COVID happened and I'm like, ah. And and I'm not afraid to go back. To do, you know, you I'm have, not, you, have, I'm, you have no choice. Right, but I'm not, I'm not, um, what's the word you always use? Romantic? Yeah, I'm you don't romantic. mind. Yeah, you're a scrapper. Right, and, and so I'm comfortable doing that, yeah. but holy shit, it's scary, like, like well, it's less scary. It's, it's you know it's funny. It's less scary. It's more like fuck. You know, it's kind of yeah. like one of the, you know what I mean. It's not yeah. scary. You're not yeah. scared. No. It's okay. more like fuck again. Again. Uh-huh. But this time, I'm trying to push you down the path of something that is so hard to take away. You know, when everyone's like, "Well, easy for you, Gary. Your NFT." Pro-. I'm like, "You mean the thing I earned? Like, you had a community." I'm like, "I earned it." 
Like people are like, you, your NFT project, mine's not, I'm like, you're 20. You haven't done anything. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, and that's how I think about brand, right? When you get funnels, when you get arbitrage, math, you've earned it, but you've also put yourself in a vulnerable spot of letting somebody else control your fate. Apple fucked you. Because they wanted to fuck Facebook and Google. You were just, just you were just collateral, you were just collateral damage. Can I defer the last two minutes to my son? 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, recently I had this idea as kind of a hub, I guess you could call it for athletes and brands. They kind of like meet, connect with each other. And so he's kind of helped me put it all together. Um, but one of the things I've been trying to figure out is how do you build the value for an athlete and for the brand? Well, I get the athlete more for the Hubs, brand. aka what you're describing, two-way marketplace, is the hardest business to build in the world, which is why when they're built, they're worth a fortune. Uber, eBay, these things are incredibly challenging. I start with that sentence because I want to make sure you're in the right mindset of how hard it is to balance. The reason they're hard is because you have to balance both sides so equally and so effectively that they work because when one is off kilter, people bail. If you get 87 athletes and there's no money on there, they'll be like, fuck you. If you get brands and there's no, like you understand? It's a really hardcore patience game. You also have to make sure you're actually solving a problem. So brands that are small are able to DM Bengals. There's agents, there's marketing firms like Excel. So I think, I think it's a very big challenge what you just laid out in a couple of sentences. Um, but the answer historically is to make both sides of the marketplace have enough value in concurrency that you're able to create stickiness. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a really big challenge and sometimes I think people try to build things that the problem's already solved. And I'm always worried when, um, what was that thing that Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg, Quibi. I remember looking at Quibi. Do you guys know what Quibi is? It was like a pretty famous crash and burn of like a trillion dollars. It was supposed to be like, I mean it was Jeffrey Katzenberg, he's a beast and Meg Whitman, I mean it was like the A-team, all the people they hired were like, people that I thought were the best in Silicon Valley and Hollywood, and they were gonna build this thing called Quibi, which was an OTT for short form content. And I remember looking at it and I was like, you mean YouTube? <laughs> and, and, and yet they overspent on making shows for like, a, they, were spent, they were paying production companies the same amount of money Netflix was paying for long form for five minute shows that were pretty much, not exactly, but like, fuck, YouTube was, I remember I kept telling everybody, I'm like, YouTube's scratching that itch. YouTube is scratching that itch. And so I wanna just make sure, or like online dating, right? A lot of online dating companies right now are trying to figure out their way. I'm like, it's called Instagram DM. Like sometimes things are solving the problem. So just make sure that when you think about it, create something unique enough that is solving a problem that doesn't exist in different ways already. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Ask a lot of questions, too. And I also think SMBs are really good. The biggest brands in the world, they go through funnels that look like this. Right, they're like, hey, we're doing a national campaign, who should, that's what they're comfortable with. SMBs are just trying to get the best deal they can, right? My dad, you guys, right, a lot of, we're just trying, so think about the, I would highly recommend starting with SMBs and athletes because you can get both in that scenario. It's gonna be hard to get Dr. Pepper to give a shit, you know? You're gonna have to go through 100 gatekeepers, but getting local businesses, like start where you are. If that's Zona, local businesses, fucking, right?
Red Devils and Wildcats and like go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Tom. Gary, just quick, I'm a straight B friend nerd. Um, but when you're before done, can we have the perfect prison cat? Like, wow. Can, we, can you sign it? Yeah. So, so That's the diamond? I'm the diamond. Fuck. Yeah. You pulled it or you bought it? Bought it. Come yeah. eBay, like, you're, EB, you're my man. <laughs> <laughs> Hoodies and cards on eBay. I'm like, I get it. I live that life. Do we have a good marker? Let's, find yeah, find a good. Can I, can I just take a picture of that too, like for the yes. verification? Yes, yeah, of course. Like, I know how the arbitrage works. Right. <laughs> you signed that. Oh, you signed that. Go ahead, fire away while I do this. All right. Um, I, I want to have a macro. I want the weird visionary Gary. Okay. Um, want to kind of have just a macro conversation. So I own a, a contact center. Um, we work for brands, do customer support for them. And you like that? I know how to do this. Go ahead. I'm right. listening. That was the best thing I learned so far. So <laughs> that was, that? How to get cards yeah, out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of years of card shows. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and so, you know, we work for companies like Melissa and Doug, which is a toy company. Mm-hmm. We I know it. We deal with a lot of, you know, financial services brands. And, you know, people talk about call centers, they, they think it's just like a button to seat in some agent, but it's a pretty yep. high tech thing, right? Yep. So there's speech analytics and natural language processing and all this stuff. So I want to move, and I'm so now, really kind of because of you, really moved into this Web 3.0. And I, I want to first just have a quick conversation on where you see kind of customer support, how Web 3.0 can affect that. Like I know from, you know, from a loyalty standpoint and from access, like I, I kind of get all that. One of the things that we're doing, and just kind of wanted your opinion on this too, is we have our internal developers and then we have two outside groups that are developing, like, the, I don't want to say the first, because maybe somebody else is doing it, but the first virtual reality contact center, right? Just a proof of concept. So basically. How, right how's the VR going to be consumed? With, so, on, on desktop? So currently, like, let's just say hypothetically you put on your Oculus. But nobody will do that. I think it's proof of concept. I don't think it's a viable product yet. Yeah. Um, but basically, go into an office, and there's six offices, and one is password reset and shipping problems, and basically be able to go. And, I think and, that is like 12 years away. Right. I mean, 12 years away from the standpoint of I think being a profitable, actionable business. Um, but I, the number one mistake people make when there's something big looming is mm-hmm. timing. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's going to be B two C first before it's B two B. Right. Think about who's going to do that. You barely have. We don't have B two B people making content on LinkedIn. Do you think though, even from how the a, fuck am I going to get somebody? Yeah. Again, uh, to, to, to kind of show the the forwardness of the company, right? Like if we are you looking for an exit? So if you're telling me, hey Gary, I want to do this because I think for a potential buyer, it they're going to say, whoa, these these guys and gals are pushing it so much more in the industry. We need to be on board with them. I do think there's validity to that argument. Mm-hmm. You gotta be careful with timing on that front because it might hurt you if it's super delusional. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think you're on to something there. I do, I do always think if you're trying to sell to a private equity firm or trying to do an M&A that the person in the room that's most progressive in technology does oftentimes have the potential to have some leverage in, in an acquisition. So where I mean, where do you see this this the, the customer experience space, right? Like, um, you know, really like servicing customers with with web three corner with I think the I think the 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 earliest thing we'll see is transparency in data. 
So I think what the blockchain does is give the potential for public data, which I think creates silly little things, believe it or not, that look like knowing how many minutes to the second you actually are gonna be on hold. Actually. Like, and, and seeing like, no, no, I'm not, you know how we get mad when we don't even know the truth behind it? We're like, I'm, like I'm on hold and like, like just knowing that you can see other people being taken in the queue because it's public servers, not private servers, will just give you peace of mind. We're like, look, I'm 17th in line. It's a very subtle, notice how it's a very subtle thing, but it's a real application. Hey, hey, Gary, maybe to, to tag on that, to do uh, like a, an NFT drop for a brand that basically says you're a, you know, you're a high-end customer, so when you do call in, you go to the front of the line. That's for damn sure. The question is, for what kind of business and how early are we actually in NFT land, right? Right now, NFT land is predominantly driven by speculation and greed. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing that drove internet stocks in 96, so that's not my concern. I can go to sleep at night every day. I tell everybody 99% of projects are going to zero. Mm-hmm. When everything goes to zero, everyone's gonna blame me because I'm the poster child of NFTs and I'm gonna bring out 83,000 receipts and be like, I told you 99% were going to zero. So what I'd be concerned about right now is you're thinking about scaled consumer execution. And we're still five years away from that, truly. Like we are, you're just so deep. Like I want this to like. I want, I want everything. With this, I get what it, what I mean? but that's when people lose money. Yeah. When you want to do something versus you reacting to what they're doing right. is the most important delta in the world. I want a lot of things. How does that? How does that correlate to being first to being delusional? Um, it's it's in the delta of how many people are actually doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I was very aware of. I bought Ethereum in 2016. I didn't say, outside of a couple videos I had to bring up some, because people were like, you fucking, I'm like, fine, here's the receipt, here's me in 2017 saying this. Outside of me digging up that shit in our, our archives, I didn't say much about it because I was just watching. Right. Right? And then I felt in December, on the back of NBA Top Shot and a little bit of crypto punk stuff going on, finally did the homework, I was like, oh shit, it's close. Mm-hmm. And, and, it got, and it happened. Real quick, Tom, before you we move on from you, I want to make sure Gary understands a bit of context. Because we were talking earlier about your personal brand and your business, you were mentioning that you want to be number one in your niche, right? And a couple of cool factors that we've discovered along the way is number one, all of your call center staff is based in America. I don't know if that's a thing yet. I think think it's a real thing. I would pound the fuck out of Facebook Middle America in perpetuity. There's an unbelievable amount of people that will make the decision on that. What's that, me? I never have my phone on. I'm so funny. Another thing that I think is interesting about his business, because it's call center by nature. One second, I apologize. Nick, I'm in four Ds. Everybody okay? You need something? Yeah, I want to catch you up on Scott's. Okay, I'll call you later. Later. Is um, because he's got such an interesting opportunity on TikTok because it's call center. There's a lot of people talking about call center complaints and stuff like that on the platform, stitching, duetting, stuff like that. Could be a really interesting yeah. opportunity if you want to own that niche. Yeah. You need a public figure in that space. When I when I saw that sports cards were going to blow up, mm-hmm. I spent nine months, nine months, making sure that I wasn't forcing it because I like sports cards. You're taking something you love and you're interested in and trying to speed it up in your business and it's and you need to be careful of that. But can I have one more minute? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. So 
so I guess one of the things in selfishly that I am doing then, that I can do, is I do have a podcast, have a niche, pretty large niche following. Which is awesome. And it's called Advice from a Call Center Geek. I love that. Um, and I'm just gonna do a 30 token free NFT You should absolutely drop. do that. That's um, scratching your, that's fun. Right. That's keeping the juices going. Right. That's not strategically aligning your vision towards VR call centers. Right. That's two very different things. That's great. Yeah. You should definitely do that because you'll be pumped. And it's good for you to taste it. Right, to learn how to A hundred thousand percent. Okay. Thank cool. Poor Let's go, buddy. All right. Um, so question one. Last year we spoke, podcast number two. You said June. We were, we're in contact. You said June. But in your defense, you didn't say what year. Still be early or late, depending on how you want to look at it. But I want to make sure that I take the opportunity to lock down podcast number two. Let's do it. I'm happy to do it. Yep. Perfect. Good. Um, from a business, from a business side of things. 2039. When, when we last, <laughs> uh, when we last spoke, mm-hmm. I was telling you I was building an agency, and I asked mm-hmm. you how would you build an agency. You told me, God, no, I wouldn't. And and can you stop? Um, I did not listen to you. Good. I went back, built an agency. Good for you. Um, but I did take your advice on not wanting to build a huge 800-person agency. I stayed lean. Yep. Um, Specialize in what we specialize in, scaling 70 figure brands, um, making the money 30 to 40% margins. That's great. So pretty pretty impressive on that end. COVID happened, iOS happened. You told me what you warned me about with building an agency happened, which was I'm not the guy anymore. The strategy's gone. I now have a team that does everything. So what do I do? Um, but I love the education side. So when iOS happened, I love the branding side. I'm a marketer more than a more than I'm a button pusher mm-hmm. inside the platforms. So I understood all these things. I spent a lot of time going on, back on with clients and educating them through the process. Love the coaching aspect of mm. it. So I decided I was gonna monetize my knowledge, my systems, um, all that in the space. And I started a group coaching program uh, called Market Domination. Um, and we're now two months in, nine members, uh, $15,000 price point. Uh, per year? Yeah, per year. Yep. Uh, that's the beta. I'll probably, it's I'll probably increase it. It's, it's yeah, great. it's less about that. I just wanted the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess my question isn't <coughs> what the content or how I can help the people. I'm pretty clear. That I get that. Yeah, you that. know your craft. I'm pretty clear on that. It's more, I guess, the who, right? And I guess I wanted to jump inside your brain that when you're making content, when you're trying to push something, um, what's your heuristics, what's your process when it comes to refining your message when people want to work with the agency, whatever it is, and putting out content that actually baits the people you want to work with? The thing that everything that's built on with me is based on the fact that I do 96% listening even though the world thinks I'm talking all the time. So creating scenarios that allow you to listen because you'll know the answer way faster than I will, it'll be right there in your messages. So for example, back to the whole jab, 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 right hook thing, Maybe you do, I think you would crush, I know you would crush with a, the thing that people always get confused about when they're selling their smarts is they don't want to give away things for free when giving away things for free is the way you sell more stuff. So I would, if I were you, I would do a weekly two hour live across all platforms, use StreamYard and put it on all your platforms even if you're tiny right now, even if you have nine followers on your Facebook fan page because you never set one up from Facebook to LinkedIn to Twitter, YouTube, and do a live two hours a week Q&A show about marketing. 
and you start with, I mean, dude, I was, you know, like everyone's got such a struggle with like, you know, going back or going, but like, if there's seven listeners the first week, it doesn't matter because the content saves. Yeah, I get it. It's not the going back that bothers me. But I, I believe that. But the answer to your question is, you gotta get the questions. If you get the questions, you'll know what to make in the content. Because like the who part is really a tough question for me. Well, the who's, the who? I deal with plumbers, I deal with e-com owners. The who is everyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's a good, that's a weird thing. No, people people struggle with that. I understand what you're saying. This is a classic example of the philosophy sounds better than the reality. Hmm. The philosophy of like target your, like know who, like the world is in play, right? The world's in play for you. I think what's really good is the way social networks are now built. There's so much entrepreneurship in those pipes that if you live there, they're there. There's just a lot of people that are doing 250,000 to 2 million a year in revenue that can afford 15,000 a year to dominate their marketing. You just don't know if it's a tattoo artist with two parlors in Nevada or if it's, you know, somebody who's got a B2B company doing 100 million. Like it's all kind of like there. I think it's more about do you make contextual creative for the platform? Like, do you know how to make a TikTok that people actually want to watch that may lead to virality that leads to lead gen? Do you know how to make content on LinkedIn that works? Which is why I want to put you in a position to answer questions because from the questions, you'll figure out the answers. So can I piggyback off that yep. for a second? Um, you don't consume a lot, but everyone here consumes you, consumes yep. other people. The buzzword is authenticity, right? When you're putting out content, be authentic, be authentic. But I mean, I don't really know what authentic means anymore. When you start consuming so much content, how do you then, you know. That's a good question. How do you then break off who you are, right. which is the sponge that right. you soaked up? That's a, real, that's a really great question. You know, I think just the fact that you're even asking that question already has you 90% of the way there. It means you're gonna fight for it along the way. I could soon more content than everybody. I just consume it from the people directly, not a middle man or woman in between. So when I say don't consume, it's I don't need Tim Ferriss or Ryan Holiday or, or Oprah or anything in between. I just need you at this second. The reason my content works so well is I have a leading pulse on shit because I'm reading and at this point I'm at such scale that I'm getting a lot of optics. Like, the thought that rich kids were upset because they subconsciously were mad at their parents for paying for everything was very foreign to me. That's not how I grew up. But it became some of the most important content I've ever made for parents and 25 year olds. That was just by reading them, right? And so you just gotta, you know, in 2014 when I came out of content retirement, I don't talk a lot about not making a lot of content from 11 to 14. It was kind of the biggest gap since 2006 for me because I was building Vayner and everything was going into that. Um, I started with the Ask Gary V show. That was my first re-entrance post Wine Library TV. Notice what it was called. Notice what it was. I needed to get the That's insights. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is, oh, another Gary wannabe. And, and I, I'm a business owner before Guru. Yeah. Right? And now you have so many Look, gurus take, who want to be yeah, marketers. Take it from somebody who like legitimately is like a real fucking businessman and the, a, a shocking percentage of the world thinks is a motivational speaker and a guru. It doesn't matter. If you're a real business person, then you're a real business person. Just keeps thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's people who think I'm a fucking scam artist. You know how devastating that is? People are gonna see what they wanna see. I just, I worry about my own line being blurred, right? When yeah, I, I think that's right. Content, I'm like, is that really me? Or is that me trying to be? Well, that's where I think 
I, the advice we talked about earlier was the most important. Forget about you trying to be anything. If you sit down and you're like, how can I help people? So I love this. Like, I don't have a gear right now other than like listening intently, trying to give the right fucking answers to the best of my ability on intuition and pattern recognition, and, and then you leave. Yeah, but that's the best thing I learned from you. When I do speaking events, I sit there and say, I'll talk for 10 minutes. The rest I want to do is Q&A because good. that's where I thrive. Yeah, I, th- I think that's great. I think you should scale that. I think you should do a Q&A show on LinkedIn and pound it in oblivion. There's not enough live content on LinkedIn. You'll, the algorithm will reward you. Perfect, thank you. I look forward to our podcast in 2024. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, first off, I want to apology. I didn't introduce Connor. I got so excited. Connor, such a pleasure. That's right, uh, Joe made a rule of like one person. I think that was more on Joe. <laughs> um, my question is leading towards scale. Yes. So uh, we've been in business three years. We started selling subscriptions about eight months ago. We got to 160,000 a monthly recurring revenue in eight months. What, what subscription? Uh, so we sell a subscription to our direct mail platform, the software that we built. Got it. So if you would have told us. So it's a SaaS product. 100%. Yeah, so I just the subscription. We would own a print shop and say you're fucking crazy. That right. was not the plan at all. We sure. tried fulfillment partners, we tried all the other shit. They're a piece of equipment, they have manuals, we hire humans to put it all together. Of course. It's working out. So we do it all in house. Yep. Huge in home service right now. So my background, I have a cleaning company we've had for 12 years. We leverage that a lot. I've been doing the public speaking, the trade shows, we come out with products in that space, and it's working, but we fucking hate it. It's yeah. painful. Yeah. So like the the mom and pop, the customer service, it's the same fucking conversation yeah. from chucking the truck we started yesterday all the way up to a $500 million roofing business. Like yep. there's no predictability. Yep. So looking towards scale, we want to sell the company for $500 million by the time we turn 40, that's in three years. I would tell you right off the bat, the first thing about that sentence is when I've noticed when entrepreneurs make those kind of ideologies, they dig into it and they tend to make mistakes when they have something good because of some arbitrary number. Like why not 750 million by the time you're 38? Because we keep putting a number to it and it's gotta keep going up. I get that, just, keep in, just make sure you have a good relationship with it. I think, with that number? Yeah. Can it change? Of course, okay. that, that sounds like a good relationship with it. Okay. I just have noticed a lot of people make these crazy numbers like when I'm 35, it's, I'm gonna sell this for 100 million and then if you wa- when I've watched it, I'm like fuck. They were well on their way to building something awesome, but because they fucking put this outcome on a pedestal, they did this M&A deal, and then they did this, and it all kind of unraveled. So, you know, just even you saying, can it change, already made me feel a hell of a lot better. Like, having ambition is, is an incredibly beautiful kind of framework. Sometimes people dig a little bit too deep into numbers and it changes their decision making and it hurts them. So keep going. The number's so trivial for us. Like I want to say a billion. It's it's it's, it's kind of like the Jets thing for me. Like I will be very okay if I don't buy the Jets. Right. Like beyond, I'm okay now, forever, for the rest of my life. The process of trying is the fun. Dude, we sell it for a hundred or whatever. The fun. Got it. We'll keep, going. keep going. Keep <laughs> going. Yeah. The idea is that like. We see the home service space, we see the scalability. Um, James, you had said something at dinner last night about like not killing the golden goose. Mm-hmm. So we can't just pull out a home service. Getting into cannabis real big, they can't send, they can't fucking advertise online, right. they can't do anything. We're doing huge stuff with mail with them. And, like, Makes sense. Practices, Makes sense. And shit, yep. QR codes, straight to Makes tests, sense. aggregating lists, all that type of shit. Smart. We also bolt on the agencies really well because we're not threatened. We of course, you're the back end. Exactly. We were, we were debating with like, do we do a white label or not? And Connor, the rational one in the relationship, is like, dude, it's fucking the ads. We're, we're like, the agency, Vander is, isn't gonna wanna have their clients get an invoice from Dope. Right. 
for who do you get the fucking invoice from when you run Facebook ads? And yeah, of course, of course. The ad spend or whatever. Yep. So as we look towards this acquisition, whatever that number is, you know, it's easy to set a metric of 40 being a goal or whatever. Okay. As we build towards that path, what would your advice be about a focus as like, so we tie in with CRMs, um, send Dave the roofer to a job, get a job approved, 50 postcards go to the neighbor. We just got your neighbor approved. Mark the job schedule, another 50 postcards go up. Part of the dust, part of the noise, we're working in there. And it works for every fucking vertical. Mm -hmm. So what we say internally, if it's timeless, we spend time on it. Mm -hmm. If it was around since covered wagons, we want something to do with it. Mm -hmm. So the idea is like, or my question, first one is, where would you focus time? Is it all of them? Is it one of them directly? Would you? You mean the, the service industries? Yeah. You know, well, service industries we look at relative. There's about seventy. You run labor. You run equipment or somewhere yep. in between. Relative conversation. Cannabis. Agencies, I say home my my work. intuition in this scenario, off of what I'm reading, the answer would be all of them, but it would require you to be less profitable each year. What? Well, what James knows um, is Vayner made no money for three years in a row. Most people don't have that appetite, which is why they can't build big companies. So what if we don't give a shit about that? Then go to every vertical, just hire more people and make no money. Yeah, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes a game of, hey, are we, you know, I don't know what you're doing with the profits. The company's an LLC. We're growing, yeah. Right, so like, you're gonna get taxed on that and you're gonna like, you're distributing to yourselves at the end of the year, distribute less so you can be in more verticals fast. Right Great. Yeah, so then it's, so then it's just maximize your profits to reinvest in people so that you could have heads of verticals and go hard at every vertical that you see opportunity in. What do you see in the Canada space as far as opportunity? I think it's gonna be one of the top 10 consumer products in our society. How do you, how do you feel about mailing? I think while Facebook and Google are giving you an opportunity for land grab, you should go as hard as fucking possible. Because in about 40 minutes it's not going to and you'll lose 80% of your market. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I think for that one specifically because it's so unique out of everything we're talking about, you should go incredibly hard. How would you push agencies? Agencies are easy. We have a lot of agency relationships. That's why you already have, they're the easiest. They don't want to do shit. They want you to do all the work and they want to take a skim off the top. They're the easiest. That's why I hate them. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, like, you know this, agencies are thrilled to be a toll booth, do nothing, have, you know, make a margin on top of what you do and call it a day. They're, you should get all of that. Would you go after those big ones or the little ones? Little ones are easier, I think, because big ones can have politics and like, are dopey. Would you take their leverage? So like Chris, we love Chris yeah. equally, right? But yeah. Chris was like, I can change your life. So I'm like, Chris, would you do that for me? You promise? Like, mm -hmm. they come with that ego shit with it. So yeah, like, I would say, I would say an unemotional service provider. Small to mid or go after the big ones? Again, this becomes a game of opportunity. Like at your level, like to me it's, you know, I'm going through this with B friends right now. Yeah. We have 29 people. We're probably gonna have 130 in September. I'm about to hire 100 people. What's the best advice you can give to someone towards Make as little money as possible if you think you have a good business. Yeah. Okay. The biggest mistake people make is they want to take money from the business instead of putting money into the business. Now, everyone has different circumstances. You know, uh, some people have $400,000 in debt. Harder for that person to stay chill than someone who, like so, but the longer you can hold your breath if you have a good business, and pour it back into the business, the bigger your business is gonna be. So we debate right now with funding. We're pretty liquid right now. Do you take and carve out 10% equity to use leverage with that or are you just borrowing money as opposed to taking any money? 
I think if the funding can be strategic, it can be very interesting. Right? It's just the right partner, right? Right. Yeah, which is really sometimes hard to tell up front. There's a lot of trickiness to that. But if you're, when you say you're liquid, to me, if you decide to take the concept that we're talking about and hire a lot more, all of a sudden having more cash at your disposal is pretty interesting. I think credit lines are interesting. We forget about that nerdy, simple thing called credit lines. You know, I think, I think um, but I do think funding at times can work. I think money is the commodity for a good operator. I think finding someone who's strategic who can get you more business is interesting. For example, if a family owned a private business of the biggest service provider, like that's where you wanna go because immediately, once they invest in you, they're also gonna give you all the clients and so almost like you get a double bite at the apple. So look for that kind of person. Any verticals that we're missing that if you had your head on this that you would be looking at that we're not right now? So this is direct mail. Automated direct mail, no minimum order. That's really cool. Um, Influencers. I think if you educate influencers through TikTok ads that it's almost like the ad is really funny. It's like, hey, I know this is gonna sound crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I know this is gonna sound insane if you're an influencer, but running direct mail in your local area for like pop-ups or events, like, it just might become ironic enough. When I hear no minimum, everyone should almost try it. I would, I also think that people don't, like, direct mail in a world where iOS 14.5 has changed has more leverage than it used to. I say e-com. And so, yeah, I mean, e-com already does it. I assume you're, yeah. I, I think the weird ones are influencer, for sure, I think is a weird one. I think most influencers will struggle with it. But if you get momentum, what's cool about influencers is that world is small. If God forbid Emma Chamberlain does it and it works for her coffee, like all of a sudden everyone's doing it and it can get real big real fast. That's the one that probably stands out as like a weird just one. Just sprinkle some mud shots and micros and just give them fucking, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think in your business, if you're running on the kind of margin that you should be on a SaaS model, you should be doing like trial low cost stuff. Like it's just worth it for acquisition. Okay. Especially for your own learning. Oh yeah. Every curious segmentation, just give people free executions. Occasionally, once in a blue moon. I'll definitely look at it. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for So, tell you a quick story. Please. Yeah, so I was sitting on the couch next to Joy watching We Wrecked. I don't know if you ever did that. So, I've seen this guy gives um, the founder of the company $4.2 billion before seeing the financials. And he gets called over, and so we're sitting here watching this stuff. I'm playing holes on my phone, <laughs> holes I own. You're this little guy and you're eating, you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you eat, have to eat your competition. I'm playing holes and watching, half-assed watching the show with her. And this guy gets called to Japan when, when the Japanese investor figures out how much money he's emerging a day inside of me, right? And so he, they, he gets him over there and he says, who wins the fight? The smart guy or the crazy guy? And um, the, the evidence says, well, the smart guy. And the visionary, like this jackal smile, looks up and he says, the crazy guy. And the Japanese investor spins around and he looks at him and, and right when he does that, I eat my last competitor and says, success first. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get the success first message and he turns around and he says, you're not being crazy enough, my son. Do you understand? And I pause the show and I said, fuck. I said, I'm sorry, I go, like, let me just tell you what just happened in my head. Because, you know, when, when we were here last time, um, we were around three and a half million 
in annual sales for small car dealership, yep. doing 25 to 35 cars a month. Um, and just over the course of, of trying to find my way and, and do whatever, it, it doesn't really matter, I started to be pretty bold. Like we, we pulled money out of other investments, we created a floor plan company to fund our own inventory. So Joy now runs the bank that supplies our personal money into the dealership. Yep. We're, we're turning up 25% return on that investment. We um, made second just yesterday. Our reinsurance company was fully formulated and now every car reinsurance has become part of it. We'll borrow money, we're, we're creating a cycle, this yep. spin, right? Um, and I, it just clicked when I watched it. And I share that story because I, I got to the, like I, I realized that even though I'm strategically making moves, I, I quit being bold. And I and I and just like we went into business and she's like, can you sell a car? Yeah, we're selling cars. And can you make a profit? Okay, now we're making a little bit of a profit. Now the profit's growing and we're growing. So we acquired connecting real estate. Oh, we we went a little bit longer. And just because it made sense, we bought a 25-year service center that was next door. And so we we we're building. Doing, this year we'll, you know, three and a half years since I saw you last time. This year we'll do 15 million. It's amazing. Um, but I, it clicked that the culture of our place would, has become really wonderful. Our, our staff, you know, we were talking with Claude earlier, our staff has heart. It's awesome. And, and everybody's on board for the mission and the people that weren't have weaved themselves out. Makes sense. I'm going somewhere with it. Go ahead, I'm following. Um, so, it, like the next day I, I, I get, um, a guy messages me and says, hey, you ought to take a look at our picture group. Like, it helps your cars digitally look like, uh, you know, and so we, we, like, within three days, I'm like, fuck yeah, go 50 grand for a pit photo booth, spins around the cars, like it's gonna make our digital presence look better. Um, let's do a remodel of the physical facility, we bring contractors in, it's just like, I wanna grow aggressively, and this thought across my head was, why can't I be the largest independent dealer in the Midwest? And, and quickly, like in three years, I think, why can't I be the largest independent dealer in Kansas City, Missouri? Understood. And, and so then I realized that I've been kind of holding it back from a marketing standpoint inside of the, the digital spend. We're on all the big platforms we're supposed to be. I feel like I'm probably blowing six to eight grand a month in Google ads and, and Facebook marketing because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And so this conversation's been happening do I hire a fractional CMO and build my own internal team? Or do I hire, or do I go outside and like, budget is not an issue. We're super lean, the, making a lot of money and similar to what you said earlier. I'm just pouring back in, I don't need the money to live. I get it. We're beyond that. And so it's like, I, the question I, is. Yeah, so I, here's my thought on that. I believe the single most important uh, variable in business is the ability to market. And so, like, I would rather support a CEO who she or he fully knows what marketing looks like at this second than somebody who's able to balance the checkbook. Because, I, because hiring a grown-up controller, bookkeeper, or CFO is the commodity of earth. Hiring somebody that knows at this exact second where the arbitrage is in digital marketing is the most valuable. So to answer your question, 
given how young you are, where you are on your ambitions, I would want you to hire a fractional CMO. Probably I'd rather you hire just a head of marketing full person and build a crazy relationship with that person because I think the more time and effort you put into knowing it, the more the business will be successful. And do you, do I empower that person then to, you know, can one person drive that? Take us from 15 to 50. Like, is that, because we've got this little. It depends on how much money is involved in that question and how talented the person's are. But a lot can happen right now in your business because of TikTok. We haven't had a viral loop of this scale like TikTok in a long time. It's been a long time since organic Facebook fan pages could do what they're doing. So normally I'd be concerned about those kind of numbers but because if you crush the living shit out of TikTok, things could get very weird very fast and I think you got another 12 to 24 months of this kind of TikTok, I think you could do a lot. The thing, I think that the thing on the dealership level that's my concern is, my first thought was hire, I wasn't thinking CMO, I was thinking hire a marketing professional. And, and I'm running ads like 75 to 150 in the Midwest and no applicants. You know, there's a stigma around used car dealerships, especially, I think, independent used car dealerships and used car dealers to the conversation. And so, it's, it's been very challenging when, you know, disenchanting, I spend five to six grand in a 60 day period driving ads to get applicants. And I was just, to Joyce, like, fuck it. Like, let's just go to an agency and say, look, I've got a budget of 20, 30, 40, like, let's You know, I think, I think there's, a, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's really funny to have the two people prior to you be the people that spoke. It, you know, one could argue that the combination of the two people right there might be a worthwhile debate for you. When I hear five to 6,000 just to get a acquirer and, and I'm hearing 15,000 for coaching, like because you need to be the person that knows it the best, you, I, I think the way I see it is how do I get you to give me 90 minutes a day? And I promise you, I waste 90 minutes a day and I have five full-time admins. You definitely waste 90 minutes a day. So if I can get those 90 minutes and you can go into full education mode of understanding this stuff cold for a year, everything flows from there. The thing that has always made this place tick is that these three, they know that I know it better than they do. That is a wild variable that I highly recommend to all CEOs and leaders. When you are the best at your craft of the thing you do, there's something very different that happens and most people just become executives. And so, I think the most important part of your growth is your ability to market. You have a consumer product. Yeah. So you should learn that. And, and where do you suggest that a person begins in a coaching group? Yeah, I mean, I don't have, a, you know, I yeah, can't, I, you know. I, yeah, I, obviously I think you should definitely, I mean, I feel like that's a little serendipitous. You should have that talk, but I can't co-sign that. I don't know what's no, under the hood. Sure. I also think there's unlimited resources that are free, but I do think if you're willing to spend that, and that's for a year, that seems like something worth debating, and then, and then, or if you don't like that kind of route, like you're like, I'm not a coaching kind of guy, you can do it the way I did. I did it in the trenches. I'm like, just 
fucking learning by doing. Like, yeah. like actually doing though. But like, when you're allocating 90 minutes to two hours a day, that's very different than what you're doing now. The only pullback in that for me is interesting. Yeah, you transparent. Know, is what it is, is you start talking to me about details and you start talking to me about, you know, I get in and I, I see, like I get into man, Facebook ads manager and, and it's like, okay, campaign, ads, I just. Like, I get it. Blah. I get it. I, I would tell you that I'm not the greatest interest in detail guy of all time. Uh, it's just too important. It's just the whole fucking game. Here's why. If I could get you to do it for just even a year where you like really got it ingrained, you'd be able to judge the person you're hiring. The biggest reason people are struggling with social media is they don't know how to judge what they're hiring. You have no idea how to judge it. Right? You can't judge it. You can't judge it. You're guessing. Yeah, right, right. You're that, guessing. That's how, that's how, that's how you with real money. You're guessing with real money. But you can't also, like, I can't go to a zero sum game while I'm learning it either. So, I mean, Meaning, bro, well, Facebook blueprint. Just put that in there. Facebook blueprint. So, so bang, on that, bang on that motherfucker for an hour a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 90 minutes. Oh, these guys are going to, they, they have no idea. They're going to be marking around every person that ever buys a car from me again. Get <laughs> it. Like, that call is going to happen on me. I get it. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'd also really, it sounds like you have a great culture. I would have a company-wide meeting and be like, anybody here want to make organic TikToks for our company? You might get three or four people to say yes. Just do that. Just get that shit going. Three, yeah, just give free reign. Let everyone sign into the TikTok account and go. Make three, four a day. Create a schedule, find somebody to coordinate, go. Do you care if they're good or not? Good? Of course I care, but I care about, I don't care about us judging if it's good. Let it hit the earth and see what the world says. Yeah, because, because, because TikTok is so unique in the fact that we may not know and then it's the exact right person. So you gotta like let it roll. Sure, sure. But I think, but I think, but I think, yeah, but I think like, for example, in this scenario, I would, for everybody who raises their hand, I would let them have at least 30 pieces of content in the system over a two, three, four month period before you're like, Karen's good, Johnny's bad, Rashawn's awful, Susan's the best. 